Lord, I pray that uh, for all of us, that would be our declaration today, that you are great. Not great like ice cream's great or the Cleveland Browns are great, but great like we can't even understand how great you are great. But as we look to the cross, we see your greatness. While we were still sinners, you died for us. And you invite us into fellowship with you. That's how great you are. That you love us. That you love us. Despite our not greatness. So we thank you, Lord you are great and we can step into a life with you and experience all that you have for us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Uh, a couple things. Um, and the first is, Brandy. Mart is graduating today, right? So come on up here, Brandy. So the elders could elders could come up. We wanna we wanna pray for uh, for Brandy. She graduates and very exciting, huh? Yes. All right. So tell everybody what you're doing after you graduate. I'm going to Case Western Reserve University in the fall to study biomedical engineering. <laughs> All right. So all of you with, you know, knees or hips, it's people like Brandy that are responsible for that, plus all the medical people, too. So that's awesome. So maybe in, in a few years, Brandy will be designing knee joints or hip joints or anyway. That's very exciting. Wow. Wow. So, yeah, microbiology and organic chemistry and yeah. calculus and oh, boy. <laughs> Amen. All right, elders, come on up. We're going to pray for Brandy, graduating from Kirtland High today. All right, let's pray. Father God, we are just uh, grateful for today. We're grateful uh, for Brandy and uh, her family here. Lord, we just pray a blessing over her today as she graduates today, Lord, um, and, uh, and takes the next chapter in her journey, Lord. Um, Father God, we know that you have a great plan for her. And that uh, your Holy Spirit uh, leads and guides her through the next steps of life. And so um, we pray a blessing over her journey through Case Western and, and, uh, and uh, her studies, Lord. We pray that you give her wisdom, Lord, that uh, you give her, her peace um, and, uh, and give her success, Lord, in her studies, Lord. Yes. Father, we thank you for Brandy and for being a part of our, our church family. Father, it's been a blessing to watch her as she's grown into the young woman that she is today and, and as she reaches out from here as she tries to uh, better this environment that we're in. Father, we just pray that you would first be with her today and, and, and bless her steps as she goes on and walks up and across the stage so that she doesn't trip or fall. You know, we know that's no fun. <laughs> But, but we just ask that as she walks away from that stage that she will guide every step of her life and just allow her to live her life in a way that just 
bring so much glory and honor to you, Lord, for what you've done so far and what you will do. We just thank you for Brandy and for her being a part of our family. Lord, we, uh, we lift her mom up, Lori, uh, and uh, uh, as, as Lori enters into this new season, uh, bless her and uh, give her strength as, as she continues to uh, parent her amazing daughter. And uh, Lord, I just pray that you would give Brandy all that she needs as she studies all those really hard subjects, uh, Lord, and uh, protect her, set that path before her lead her down that path that you have for her. Uh, Lord, continue to use her uh, in special ways as she shines the light of Christ at Case Western. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Congratulations. You're welcome. Number two, uh, Michael Taddy, Sergeant Michael Taddy, uh, member of the Ohio, Ohio National Guard. They've deployed for two weeks, so just pray for him and his unit for safety. Uh, and also, uh, Dan and Kim Sell are celebrating the birth of uh, another grandchild, uh, Riley Joy O'Keefe. Um, we, Tara and I went to the hospital yesterday, and... Uh, we're here to see Dana Sell, and they're like, there's no Dana Sell here. I'm like, no, I'm sure there's a Dana Sell here. She's having a baby. And they're like, no. Oh, yeah, she got married. Different last name. All right. So, um, so it's just a blessing. Uh, teenagers who are now having uh, married and now having kids, it's just really cool to see how God works. Anyway, let's pray for them. So, Lord, I just pray that uh, Dana would heal quickly from... Um, the delivery, and Lord, we do pray for Riley Joy, Lord, that you would raise her up to be a great woman of faith who will share your love and your good news with the people in her life, and uh, so just bless them, bless Dana and Tim and uh, Riley and little Timmy, that whole family unit there that you're raising up for your glory, so bless them in Jesus' name, and uh, Lord, we pray for Ted. Uh, Waybracht is our brother Ted uh, shares from the word today, Lord. Would you uh, use him, speak through him directly to our hearts and our minds that we would hear clearly the message that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, brother, you are up. Well, good morning. Substitution. Without substitution, we have no hope of salvation. We have no hope of heaven, no hope of eternal life in paradise with God. So because substitution is of eternal importance, infinite importance, that will be the subject of today's message. But before we get to it, I have a little commercial to do. If anyone after today wants to dig a little bit deeper into the principle of substitution. There's a blog online called One Fading Flower, and you'll see it in your bulletin as well. And it's written by a woman who I'm very, very proud of. <laughs> yeah. Kelly Wilmot, <laughs> my daughter. Uh, and she does an outstanding, this isn't bias saying this, an outstanding series in her blog on the principle of substitution. I highly, highly recommend it. So the message today is about substitution. 
and I'm using the words of a song as the outline for this message because the lyrics of this song are perfect. They lend themselves perfectly to this message. Really cool song if you like bagpipes. I don't see that as an accompanying instrument in songs too often. The name of the song, I, I, I highly, highly doubt if any of you are familiar with this song. It's written by a man named Albert Fry, sung by his wife. The name of it is Zistu das Lam, which means look at the lamb or behold the lamb. The first verse goes like this. Zistu das Lam in jenem nach, sein Blut an Türen angebracht, es rettet fort es todes hand, das Volk kann sehen in neues Land. Now what that means is, behold the lamb on that night with its blood fittingly placed around the door. It rescues from the hand of death the people can move to a new land. So the first lamb in the song is the original Passover lamb. The setting is Egypt, where the people, where the Israelites have been in bondage for centuries under the cruel bondage of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God had sent Moses and his brother Aaron to approach Pharaoh to get him to set the people free. He had sent nine plagues upon Egypt to demonstrate his power and to convince Pharaoh to let the people go free. And up to this point in time, it was to no avail. So picking up in Exodus 11.1, 1, <clears throat> we read this, The Lord said to Moses, Yet one plague more I will bring upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will drive you away completely. Not only would he let them go, he'd drive them away completely. The men, the women, the children, the flocks, everything. He'd let them all go free. So Moses approached Pharaoh with this message from God. We pick up in the 11th chapter, the 4th verse through 7. And it says, So Moses said, Thus says the Lord, About midnight I will go out in the midst of Egypt, and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on the throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle. There shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there has never been, nor ever will be again. But not a dog shall growl against any of the people of Israel, either man or beast, that you may know that the Lord makes a distinguishment between Egypt and Israel." So something huge was brewing here. Something huge, sublime was about to take place. God was going to demonstrate his power in such a way that nations all across the known world and all of the civilized nations throughout the world at that time would be talking about it. For those days, for decades afterwards, for centuries afterwards, for millennia afterwards, just as we're talking about it here today. And for all of time, people would be talking about how God released the captives, how he set the captives free. But he wasn't just demonstrating his power, as powerful and as mighty as it was. He was demonstrating redemption. He was demonstrating setting people free. He was demonstrating that he makes a distinction between those who believe and trust in him and those who don't. He was demonstrating judgment to those who rebel against him. He was demonstrating his loyalty to his people. And he was demonstrating his ultimate plan of salvation. He was demonstrating the principle 
of substitution. So picking up in the 12th chapter, uh, 12, 21st verse through 23rd and the 5th and the 28th, then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourself according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Key point there, without blemish. Take a punch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning, for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over, hence the name Passover, the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your house to strike you. Then the people of Israel went and did so. As the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. <clears throat> so picking up in the 29th verse, at midnight the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of the livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, Up, go out from my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. I like that last part, bless me also. So this Pharaoh who had rejected all of the approaches, of rejected the God of Israel, now says to Moses, bless me too. So he recognized that this living God was indeed a living God and that he did have authority over the nation. So we asked Moses, not only did he set them free, but said, bless me also. So here's the key here as far as the demonstration of his ultimate plan of salvation. When the destroyer, whether it was the Lord himself or an angel of death, the hand of death passed over the, throughout Israel, whenever he came to a house that had the blood around the door, fittingly placed around the door as the song said, it was a sign that the death had already taken place in that household. The lamb had died as a substitute for the firstborn. The second verse goes like this. Siehst du das Lamm dort am Altar, das Volk geschuld von einem Jahr, liegt nun auf ihm das Kausilos, das Opferlamm, so Makalos. And what that means is, behold the Lamb there on the altar. The people's sins for one year now lay on it, that sacrificial Lamb so flawless. So it cost the people nothing, it cost the Lamb. The Lamb was the one that paid, not the people. So this is the second lamb in the song, the lamb on the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement was a special, year, special day that was celebrated once a year. On that day, symbolically, the sins of the people for that past year were all paid for. The high priest would take a bull, he'd lay hands on the bull, and ceremonially, symbolically, would transfer his sins to the bull. And then the bull died as a substitute for the high priest. And then the high priest, as the intermediary between God and man, 
laid hands on the lamb. And there's more to the Day of Atonement than this, but here's the essence of it. He laid hands on the lamb, and the sins of the people were ceremonially, symbolically transferred to the lamb. And then the lamb died as a substitute for the people. The blood of the lamb paid the penalty. The lamb paid the penalty. The blood of the lamb paid for the sins of the people so that those sins are paid for. The lamb died, bears repeating, died as a substitute for the people. <clears throat> Third verse goes like this. Siehst du das Lamm dort an dem Kreuz, bezahlt dem höchsten Liebespreis, erträgt die Last der ganzen Welt, von Leid und Schmerzen ganz entstellt. And what that means is, behold the Lamb on the cross, paying the ultimate love price. He bears the sins of the entire world, totally disfigured from suffering and pain. So the third Lamb in the song is the Lamb on the cross, the Lord Jesus Christ. All of the other lambs, all of the thousands of lambs, the hundreds of thousands of lambs, all of those lambs on the original night of a Passover, all of the lambs on the celebration of the Passover every year for all of the centuries since, all of the lambs on the Day of Atonement, all pointed to this lamb, the one that John the Baptist referred as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. They all pointed to this lamb. This lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, did bear the sins of the world. The other lambs are just an illustration. They were an illustration of what would take place. They were an illustration of the substitutionary death that the Lord Jesus Christ would pay. In Hebrews 10, 3 through 4, it says, But in these sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins, but it is possible for the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. The Lord Jesus did bear the sins of the world. In Isaiah, the second half of Isaiah 52 and all of Isaiah 53, it's one of the most amazing prophecies in all of Scripture. It's a prophecy about the death of the Messiah. In the 52nd chapter, 14th verse, we read, As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. The song said, uh, <clears throat> totally disfigured from suffering and pain. When Jesus was before, on the night that he was betrayed before those in authority, he was punched repeatedly in the face. A crown of thorn was put on his head with blood pouring down his face. We can very easily picture probably a broken nose. So you have the raccoon's eyes with black and blue, that bruising all over his face, swelling all over his face, dried blood from the crown of thorns on his face, totally disfigured. And we think about the back. The lashings, the, the scourging by the Romans were so brutal that they sometimes actually caused the death of the victim. What was used, the whip was used, had nine tails on it, on each whip, and each tail had barbs on it that would penetrate the flesh so that as the victim was being whipped, the whip would hit them in the back, tear the flesh, wrap around their sides, and just tear their backs to pieces. When we see pictures or, or statues of Jesus and you see little red stripes on the back, 
That doesn't even begin to tell you how disfigured his back, his sides, even part of his front would be. So <clears throat> he suffered all of that for us. Then Isaiah 53, 5 through 6 and 11, this really emphasizes the whole thing, the whole principle of substitution. It says this, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we're healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressions. Yet he bore the sins of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteousness, and he shall bear their iniquities. And that's what the Lord Jesus did for us. He died as a substitute for us. And that is the essence of God's plan of salvation, his ultimate plan of salvation. None of us could possibly earn our way into heaven, but through the substitute, through the Lord Jesus, we have access to the throne of God. The fourth verse is my favorite. It says, Siehst du das Lamm dort an dem Thron, der Vater gibt die Macht dem Sohn, denn würdig ist allein nur er, die Fulker singen, heilig Herr. What that means is, behold the Lamb on the throne. The Father gives the authority to the Son. Because he alone is worthy, the nations are singing, Holy Lord. Every tribe, nation, and tongue were singing, Holy Lord. So the fifth, so I'm sorry, the fourth Lamb is the Lamb on the throne. Because this Lamb, because the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, because the Lord Jesus, the Son of the living God, offered himself willingly as a sacrifice and suffered sufferings that are beyond anything we could begin to comprehend, because he performed the ultimate love price, he paid the ultimate love price, God the Father raised him to the highest place. Jesus himself said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus died <clears throat> in our place, and therefore he was exalted by the Father. He sits on the throne with all authority in heaven and earth having been given to him, that at the name of Jesus... Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Praise God. Revelation 5, 12 through 13 says this, Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth, wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Praise God. So the nations are singing, Holy Lord, as the song said. <clears throat> After that fourth verse in the song, there's a bridge before it goes to the fifth and final verse. And it says this, it says, Verbeten an, verbeten an, verbeten an. Das Gottes Lamm, verbeten an, verbeten an, verbeten an, das Gottes Lamm. And what that means is we worship, 
We worship. We worship the Lamb of God. We worship. We worship. We worship the Lamb of God because He alone is worthy. He alone is worthy. Then we go to the fifth and final verse, and we change gears. All of the other verses, the lamb on the the original Passover, the lamb on the Day of Atonement, the lamb on the cross, the lamb on the throne, all died uh, as substitutes, demonstrated the principle of substitution, God's plan for our salvation. But this lamb is different. The words of the song go like this. Siehst du das Lamm auf seinem Arm, der gute Hirte hält es warm, er liest die 99 stehen, es soll ihn keins verloren gehen. And what that means is, behold the lamb in his arm, the good shepherd holds it warmly. He leaves the 99 standing, so not a single one will be lost. So not a single one will be lost. So all of the other ones were substitutes. This lamb in the song is a recipient of substitution. This comes from the 15th chapter of Luke. There's also a version in uh, Matthew. But it's from a parable of Jesus. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, near to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbling, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So once again, we see the demonstration of God's love, that he's not willing that one should perish. He won't lose any one of the ones that he called to himself. Now, we look at all of this substitution, the lambs who died as substitutes, who, who demonstrated, who illustrated the substitution on the cross, But the people, we, play a role in it too. The lamb on the Day of Atonement is the one that paid the price. It cost us nothing. The lamb paid the price, but we still have a role. In Exodus 12.35a, it says, The people of Israel had also done as Moses told them. In 12.50, it says, All the people of Israel did just as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. So show of hands, who thinks that the people of Israel believed Moses, trusted what Moses told them. Who thinks they did believe? What do you base that on? They did what he said. Not one of the Israelites died. Praise God. And why? Because they did what Moses said. Because they believed. Because they trusted. And when you believe and when you trust, you obey and this is what Jesus said in John 14, 21. He says, Whoever has my commands and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So in order to receive the salvation that comes from God, the Lamb provided it. The Lamb died as a substitute. But we have to believe. We have to accept. We have to say, I have no hope. 
I have no hope of salvation, no hope of entering into paradise with God. I cannot earn it on my own. I can only gain it through faith, through trusting what the Lord Jesus Christ has done. When my brother was dying, <clears throat> just days before he died, I think it was six days before he died, he was expressing some concern that he wasn't good enough to enter into heaven. He had been told, well, if you do this or if you do that or if you do the other thing, you're going to go to hell. And, and he just remembered it from the time he was a kid in school and he was told these things, so he was concerned. So I told to him, so I talked to him, I said, Rich, you know what? You're not good enough to enter into heaven. Neither am I. You're not good enough. You can't earn your way into heaven. But here's the good news. The Lord Jesus was perfect. He does deserve heaven. He is in heaven. And he paid the penalty for your sins. You can't get into heaven on your own merit, but you can get in on the merit of Jesus through his atoning sacrifice. He paid the penalty for your sins. You don't have to go to hell to pay for your sins. I hate to say it. You don't have to go to purgatory to pay for your sins. Your sins are already paid for. No, you're not good enough to get into heaven on your own, but you are going to heaven if your faith, your hope, your trust is in the Lord Jesus. And you know what? His anxiety left him. He looked at me and he said, wow, that's profound. And you know what? To the day he died, he had peace in his eyes. He had a peace after that. So praise the Lord. I feel that. I, I feel I'm going to see him again in paradise because of what the lamb on the cross did. <clears throat> so Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And we have to accept that by faith. We have to accept his gift. So I'd want to uh, make an invitation this morning. If there's anyone here who never has made that commitment, there's no one here who has understood, no, I can't earn heaven. I need substitution. I need Jesus' substitutionary sacrifice. And you haven't made that commitment before. If that's the case, we invite you to come. Tim will pray with you. One of the other elders will pray with you, and, and you can make that public confession of faith. Or you don't have to come up today and do it, but uh, maybe today is a link in a chain that will eventually lead you into paradise with God. But we encourage you to look further into it if you've never made that commitment. And if you have made that commitment, praise the Lord. <laughs> praise the Lord with all your might Amen. because he's worthy. So I invite anyone to come up to, that would like to make that confession of faith today, make a public profession that you trust Jesus and his substitutionary death. And we'll close with that and praise God for his mercy. <clears throat> Great word. All right, we're going to close in prayer. Uh, no, no closing song today. So, Lord, you are uh, a good God. Through the ages, you were showing us, showing mankind who you are. And on the cross, you showed your love for us while we were still sinners. You died for us. And now we have the opportunity to walk with you.
because of your sacrifice on the cross, because of your substitution. You were the substitute. You paid for our sins. And so, Lord, we're grateful to know that we are with you through our relationship with you for all eternity. Lord, help us be faithful as we live this life to share that truth with others. Lord, we want to be light in the darkness. We want to be salt on the earth. And so, Lord, help us, encourage us to point people to the substitute, to point people to you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Have an awesome week. Amen.